is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 233 of No One's Ready for Wrestling. As we talk professional wrestling and give my thoughts on the news that I read and the shows that I watch. First and foremost, I want to thank all of you guys for the birthday wishes you gave me. I'm eternally grateful to enter the 30th chapter of my life. And it's going to be an interesting chapter, to say the least, because... Uh, Usually they say 30s would be your best would be your best and hopefully hopefully it, it becomes the best. But um again like I said thank y'all for the incredible birthday wishes. I really appreciate it. I celebrated my birthday by streaming for 10 hours. Um I literally was blessed by some of my friends who were just there to show some love. I'm truly grateful for that. Um, it's just it's just been a crazy it's just been crazy, you know that it's um, that I'm 30 and I'm no longer in my 20s, which is insane. Um, but uh, it's it, it's a good birthday to say the least. But. For those of you who are new and joining, I'm the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. I'm Shino Phoenix, and thank you guys for tuning into this episode. We got a lot to discuss. We got Wrestle Dream this Sunday. We got NXT No Mercy, which I will be doing my very first watch party reaction and commentary on Twitch. And if this becomes a success, I might make it an annual thing with fast lane approaching i might do it with fast lane as well and i know there's going to be some people who are going to say well you're doing wwe you should do aew i'll do it when the timing is right when the timing is absolutely right but um we got predictions for those two shows we got an update on john moxley his concussion injury we got Eddie Kingston, who is staying with AEW. We got news on Serena Deeb. We haven't seen her in a while. What the hell's going on with Serena Deeb? We got news on Malachi Black. We'll discuss the the go-home show for Dynamite. And like I said, we'll do predictions for uh Dyna- for Wrestle Dream. We'll talk Sammy Callahan. Apparently, he is leaving Impact Wrestling. That's a big loss. And another, speaking of big losses, Edge is removed from the internal roster page. And we got details on his deal, which could possibly see him appear at WrestleDream. We got injury news on Sheamus and Liv Morgan. We The big story this week is Jay Cargill. It is it was announced by WWE that she has officially signed with the company and I got my thoughts and details about that. And we'll discuss Monday Night Raw, the final bill for NXT No Mercy, and of course SmackDown Live. So you might want to hold on because this is going to be an episode you don't want to miss. If you guys want to follow me on the socials, please do so. Follow me on Twitter. It's Shino D. Phoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, NXT, Dynamite, SmackDown, and any other wrestling show that pleases me. I also do my Wednesday shoutouts and promote my uh, streaming content. Speaking of which, 
If you're not following me on Twitch or Kick is Shino Phoenix, please do so. Like I said, um, I will be doing a watch party this uh, coming this Saturday for NXT No Mercy. So usually it'll be at seven, but I might up it to six. So that's going to be something I'm really excited to do. And like I said, if it turns out to be a success, then um, I'm going to do more of it. That's the plan. I'm going to do more of it if um, if we uh, if it becomes a success. Um, you can follow me on TikTok, Shino D Phoenix. Follow me on Instagram, Cool Man Sip. That's C Y P. Uh, f- subscribe to my YouTube channel, Shino D Phoenix. And like the Facebook page, No One's Ready for Wrestling. That way you guys could um, stay up to date on the podcast. And without further ado, introduction aside, let's talk some AEW first. And we're going to start with John Moxley. Now, if you remember last week, I also did a rant about the spot um, between John, John Moxley and Ray Phoenix. But... um. If you remember last week at Grand Slam, Moxley and Ray Phoenix for the AEW International title took place. But Mox suffered a concussion, and and for what I heard, it was the dive that Phoenix did that knocked him loopy. And Rick Knox just stopping the count for no freaking reason when he could just call it on the spot. Like, if you want to hear my thoughts on that, just go back to the last episode we did. And the finish changed on the fly. Now Phoenix won the championship in the match after Moxley was rocked after Phoenix hit a dive. Rick Knox made the count as Phoenix covered Moxley and he held up at two and a half. Phoenix hit another move with the referee counting fast, making it even more clear that this was not supposed to be the finish. As previously reported, Moxley suffered a mild concussion in the bout while speaking with the observer, Dave Meltzer talked about the injury and he's noted that Moxley is doing okay, which is good. That's a good thing. Now he said Moxley is okay. I don't know when he's going to come back. He's got to pass the protocols. He's not feeling any weirdness or anything like that. There's nothing of grave concern. It's just a question of when he can pass and you know, whatever. Which is good. I'm glad that it's that he's doing okay. That's the only thing that matters. Now, speaking of the plans that had to be changed, there were plans for a non-AEW wrestler to challenge John Moxley, but after the audible was called, um, after the audible was called, it got scrapped. Now, Fightful Select. They added that the finish being changed not only impacted that match, but caused an immediate change to Dynamite and possibly Wrestle Dream this this Sunday, as original plans called for a non-AEW wrestler to come on AEW Dynamite and challenge Moxley for it at Wrestle Dream. Once the match was all changed, it nixed the match challenge. It's unclear who this surprise challenger was supposed to be. Now, I have a theory on who it could be because I was going to save it for the impact stuff, but I might as well 
talk about it right now. I felt like it could have been Sammy Callahan. Because I know him and Moxley, they're like close friends. And and I want to switch gears to Impact real quick before we get to Dynamite. Well, before we get to AEW, um, they, they will lose two of his stars, including a top talent, as they build towards their biggest event of the year, Bound for Glory. It was reported over the weekend that PCO is slated to leave the promotion when his contract ends. And another star who is on the way out is Sammy Callahan. Now, Sammy Callahan made his debut for Impact after wrestling for various promotions such as NXT, Solomon Crow. I still remember that. And how they fucked that up is, is my guess. CZW and MLW. In addition to his work with Impact, he runs Revolver Wrestling Promotion based in Iowa and operates in Texas and Ohio among states. PW Insider reports that the former Impact Wrestling Champion will depart the promotion as his deal expires on Saturday, which is as I'm recording this tomorrow. Uh, the report noted, currently the two sides, while still amicable, have not agreed to, uh, to terms for a new deal. The expectation is that he has finished up for now, making him a free agent on the 1st of October. There is interest in him from multiple promotions and not just as a wrestler. I could see that non-wrestler being, so, I'm about to say Solomon Crow, Sammy Callahan. Challenging for the AEW's uh, international championship against John Moxley, which would get a lot of people talking at WrestleDream. Because from what I'm hearing, the ticket sales they are not doing as good for um, for WrestleDream. I've I've heard it's the the lowest attendance, if I'm correct. But um, I just hope they put on a good show. That's all that matters. And especially after the end of Dynamite, it got a lot of people talking, which we will talk about in a sec. But I, I could definitely see Sammy Callahan possibly going to AEW. That's one name I could see. But other than that, other than that, I think, just in my honest opinion, I think he's going to do what he... Like, I, I think he's just going to be fine. Like, if he goes to AEW, I think he's going to do well. Hopefully, that he that they use him in the right mindset. I just hope that they don't, you know, drop the ball with the guy. If he does, um, if he does come to AEW. That's just how I see it, you know. But we'll see what um, is on the mind of... Sammy Callahan, and uh, I just hope that, I just hope wherever he lands, he gets treated well. Now, Eddie Kingston has had an incredible year this year. Got to compete in the G1. Well, I could go on and on about, about Eddie Kingston. This, like, I think this year has been a blessing. And not only that, last Last week, he beat Claudio to win the Ring of Honor world title. And he kept the New Japan Strong Openweight title. Like, this has been... 
Like, he's come a long way. Like, he could have hanged up the boots. But he didn't. He did not hang up the boots. Now, AEW, now Eddie Kingston will stay for AEW for years to come after inking a new deal. He originally signed in July of 2020 after he answered Cody Rhodes' open challenge for the TNT title. He's considered one of the best talkers in wrestling today, which is true. It is true because he is one of the best. Kingston has been a fan favorite since he arrived in AEW, where he had some notable feuds with John Moxley, CM Punk, and Chris Jericho. Kingston has shifted his time between AEW, Ring of Honor, and New Japan over the last year. On last Wednesday's episode of Dynamite, Kingston won the Ring of Honor world title from Claudio Castagnoli at Dynamite while retaining the New Japan Strong Openweight title in a title-for-title match. The the AEW star recently announced that he will take a break from the independent booking because he has a lower back injury. While speaking with Ad-Free Zone, Kingston revealed that he signed a new contract with AEW, a four-year deal. Kingston did not say, he did not say, um... When he signed his new deal, nor the aspect of the deal. This is what he said. This is why I love AEW. This is why, if you notice, you haven't heard anything about me with contracts because I did my shit on the low. My thing was coming up. I got four more years, so I'm straight. No one needs to know how much. No one needs to know how much. No one needs to know how long. I got my fucking shit. I got my shit and I'm going to be there for a minute because there's nowhere else I want to be. And I'm happy for him. Like, I'm happy for Eddie Kingston. And like I said, if he is happy, like, and I say this every time, if you're happy with where you are right now, then you should stay there. You should stay there if you're happy. Eddie Kingston has been doing pretty great in AEW and on Ring of Honor and in, uh, New Japan, strong. Great things are going to come to him. And I could definitely see him being the world champion in the next, like, what, two or three years? Because I think he could lead this company. That's just my honest opinion. But um, other than that, good on Eddie Kingston. I think this is the right decision for him. And uh, that's all I can say about it. Now... AEW's headquarters are in Jacksonville are in Jacksonville right now. Now, it could be looking for a new home should things not end in a deal with the city of Florida. The team is owned by Shad, who also owns AEW with AEW President Tony Khan, who works as the chief football strategy officer for the NFL team. During the pandemic, the promotion used Daly's Place, the next door to the Jaguars' home stadium, and even used the stadium for angles and matches, hence Stadium Stampede. Now, Tony, who lives in Jacksonville, works out of the stadium offices that are the headquarters of AEW. The Jaguars recently went public with their demands for funding a new stadium and even proposed a relocation if the $1 billion in taxpayer money is not agreed to. 
Now, do you want to keep the NFL in Jacksonville? Jaguars president Mark Lamping said in an Access Drive conference regarding theoretical votes from residents on the approving on approving the deal. The team feels they need a better stadium to compete with the average NFL teams. The team also deals with it being the 41st in media market size, a disadvantage to other teams. Tia Bank Stadium is publicly owned this past June. The team released a rendering of the new stadium, which is a revamp of their current home with the stadium canopy to battle the heat in the Florida, costing up to $2 billion in costs, with the team seeking a 50-50 split with the city. The Jaguars recently opened a $120 million practice facility next to their stadium. If Jacksonville loses an NFL team, they're never going to get another one, Lamping said. If the NFL team uh, got the stadium, they would need a temporary home for one or several reasons. Daytona International Speedway and the University of Florida Stadium are possible venues for that. Now, I don't know. Like, I don't know if the deal might be passed. But if it does, I'm going to keep you guys updated. And, like, there's really not much I can add about it. But other than that, this this could be a big deal for AEW if... They have to move out of Daly's place. But uh, we'll see what's on their mindset. Now, AEW has also been eyeing on some of the talents. One of them is currently in stardom. And her name is Maria May. Now, AEW nor WWE will not be signing a top international star shortly after rumors a one star being on the free agent market. Stardom's Maria May will finish the promotion this Saturday and then return to England to weigh her options. The 25-year-old broke into the wrestling into wrestling in 2018 before going to Stardom in 2022. While in the promotion, she was once a goddess of Stardom champion with Mina Shirakawa and May previously did modeling for WWE merchandise. While speaking to The Observer, Dave Meltzer noted that May told Stardom that she's not going to WWE or AEW. So he said, and I quote, So the basic thing I think I said Saturday was her last match. It's actually this coming Saturday, which is a pay-per-view with the finals of the five-star Grand Prix. So that is her last match with stardom. And she's leaving. She's going to go back to England. And she may come back. It's not It's not like for sure she's not coming back. She told the company that she's not going to WWE or AEW. And that's that the door is open for her to come back if she wants to. So that's the status. I think a lot of people thought... That she was going to get a going to AEW for sure, and she may be, but it doesn't, but it doesn't appear to be for sure because she left the door open with Stardom. 
But Saturday is her last day with with uh, Stardom this coming Saturday on their five star Grand Prix Finals. And, and good on her. Good on her. I honestly think that Maria May is gonna be fine. Um. By herself. Like, if she's going to do stuff in England, that's fine. She doesn't need to go to uh, WWE or AEW at the moment. We'll just see what's on uh, her mindset. And once we get more detail... Well, already got the already got details. But for me personally, I think she's going to do fine. Like, because if she's keeping the door open for stardom, then you know that she wants to stay there. She knows that that's where she wants to be. And uh, other than that, there's, they could use her for, like, if, it, if I was AEW, if you do All In in Wembley again, I could definitely see them using her for something big. You'll never know. Now, as for WWE, if NXT Europe becomes a thing, then they can make it easier for her. Or some shit like that. I don't know. But we'll wait and see. Now, let's talk about Serena Deeb. Now, I've been asking myself, where the hell is Serena Deeb? And it looks like we got our answer. Um... AEW has been criticized for having a large roster and not being able to give talent enough time on television despite having Dynamite, Rampage, Collision, and Ring of Honor TV. One star that hasn't been seen in nearly a year, uh, and that's Serena Deeb. She made her AEW debut back in September 2nd of 2020 where she lost the NWA Women's Championship to where she lost to then NWA Women's Champion Thunder Rosa in her first match in two, since 2017 before signing with AEW Deeb has been working for WWE as she joined the company to become a coach at the Performance Center she departed uh from WWE in early 2020 due to budget cuts people power Related to the COVID-19 pandemic. If y'all don't get that reference, it's John Laurinaitis. Dee was regularly used on AEW television until she worked Dark Elevation uh, tapings on October 18th, 2022. In June, it was reported by Fightful Select that Deeb had not been seen backstage at AEW shows and had not heard anything about her AEW status. While speaking... On the Wrestling Observer Radio, Meltzer and Alvarez were asked about her status. Now, Meltzer said, yes, I've asked. I'd never gotten an answer. And Alvarez chimed in and says, I haven't gotten an answer either. But like something happened. There was some sort of heat over something. So whatever it was, I mean, she's just she's just not uh, being used. So there you go. I don't know if she's officially on the roster. Let's see, I haven't even heard them even hint about her name or anything. It feels like forever. And I think she is on the roster page. And I I don't know what heat that um 
I don't know what uh, heat uh, Serena Deep has because I met Serena Deep in person when she came to Wildcat. Literally one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And I, I am doing this while I am recording this podcast. I am literally checking the roster page to see if she's still on the roster page. It looks like she is. And she is. She's still on the roster page. We just haven't seen her wrestle this year in AEW. Which is mind-boggling. Because she's really, really good. I don't know what the issue is, but my God. My God. I hope whatever it is, I hope they resolve it. But if they're... Like, there's no details on what heat she had backstage in AEW. Did she rub somebody the wrong way? Did she rub the locker room the wrong way? Like, what's going on? Like, why isn't she being featured? Because I want to see Serena Deeb. Like, I'm not asking for much. I think Serena Deeb is fucking fantastic. She's on your roster page. Fucking use her. Like, seriously. Have her go for the TBS title. Have her go for that. Because I could tell Chris Statlander ain't dropping that title anytime soon. I would have Serena Deep do it. But until there's more details about this heat, I, I just don't have any answers for this. It's just amazing that they're not even using her on Dynamite. They're not using, they should use her for Collision. That's what they should do. But, um,. I digress. Now, another person we have not seen in a while is Malachi. Now, Malachi Black addressed his hiatus from AEW. And there's been speculations that he hasn't wrestled a singles match in quite some time. Now, Black formed the tag team with Brody King called the Kings of the Black Throne before bringing in Buddy Matthew. Matthews as the House of Black, where they compete in the trios division shortly after his AEW arrival. Black was not, uh, com- has not competed in a singles match in eight. This is ridiculous to hear this. He hasn't competed in a singles match in AEW in 440 days and counting. 440 days. And his last singles match was against Penta Oscuros in June of last year. He holds the 14-2 record in the tag team action this year. House of Black, they dropped their tag, their trios titles to the acclaimed and Billy Gunn at All In, marking Black's last match. In a video shared on his Instagram story, he addressed his absence from AEW television Noting he doesn't have a back injury, it's not sure he isn't sure why he hasn't been booked in a singles match, and he's dealing with a slight calf tear and knee oh a hyperextension of the knee. So this is what Malachi said, and I quote This is something I want to address. I understand that people like I understand that this always comes from a perception of caring. So before I say anything, I appreciate that people care and it comes from a good place. About a year ago, 
I made a video about rehabbing a back injury I had, and the video showed the process of overcoming the injury, strengthening, etc. After the video was posted, people started running with the idea that, oh, he had a bad back, therefore A, B, and C, which is not the case at all. And for some reason, it has found its way back. And the narrative is, well, he's not had a singles match because he has a bad back. He's He nearly retired because of it. And none of that is true. Why haven't I had a singles matches? I don't know. I think it's because they wanted us as the House of Black to do six-mans. I was also not in a six-man to hide said non-existing injury. Again, rest assured, I do not have a bad back. The reason I'm at home right now is due to a minor injury, which is I had a slight calf tear and hyperextension in my knee, which is almost nursed back and almost ready to go on the road. I appreciate the concerns, but the reality is I'm fine and you will see me sooner rather than later. But again, I appreciate the concerns and good on Malachi Black for addressing this because I wanted to know what's going on because Malachi is a fucking beast. Malachi, I know, can wrestle and I've I've noticed it during his run in NXT. Like, he's really fucking good. But I hope, I hope that, um, that he heals up in time. And I do want to see him in a one-on-one match. Like, it's just amazing that it's been 440 days that he hasn't had a singles match. That has to be fixed as soon as he gets back. And I hope Tony Khan can fix that. I hope he can fix the um the issue that's just that's just me being real all right but uh hopefully he heals up now let's talk about collision which took place at the this is last week's collision at the van angel arena in grand rapids michigan and i thought the show was pretty good i thought this was a really good show and i thought they did a really good job with the matches we had the triple threat for the TNT Championship with Christian, not not Christian Cage, Luchasaurus defending his title against Christian Cage and Darby Allen. I thought this was good. I thought this was good for what it was. And Christian Cage, after Darby Allen hit the coffin drop on Luchasaurus, he threw Christian Cage, no, he threw, Lucha, he threw Darby out of the ring, pinned Luchasaurus, and now... He's the new TNT champion. And after the match, and I paid attention to this. Luchasaurus holds up his hand. And he's annoyed by this. So clearly there's going to be some dissension between Luchasaurus and uh, Christian Cage. Now, he puts him up on his shoulder like he used to do with Jungle Boy. But, um... But yeah, Christian Cage is the TNT champion. But once we get into the predictions, I got an idea on where they're going to go with this. Because I don't think Christian Cage is going to be a TNT champion for this long. But I I love the little tease of I'm just getting tired of this guy. That's the direction I think they're probably going to be going with. But um, 
we are then shown a video package of what happened last what happened with Chris Jericho and Omega saving him um from the Don Callis family. Now backstage, Don Callis talks about Omega and Kota Ibushi's relationship being more than brothers. He says, and Will Ospreay, Kanosuke, and Sammy Guevara will face Jericho, Omega, and Ibushi at Wrestle Dream, which is official. And it was a that was a nice backstage segment, but I'm really happy that they that Will Ospreay is going to be back. I fucking love Will Ospreay. He's a beast. He's one of the best performers that's not even signed to WWE or AEW. He's one of the best in the world right now. But um, backstage, Tony Schiavone is with the new TNT champion, Luchasaurus. And with, with Cage and Luchasaurus, Cage says that I finally finished... I'm finally finished with Darby Allen, but Tony Schiavone warns him that no, he says that next Sunday at Wrestle Dream, you have to defend your title against you have to defend your title against uh Darby Allen. And it's gonna be a two out of three falls match. So we'll get into the prediction on this one because I don't see it being a clean sweep. But um and the segment they did on Dynamite would the sit-down segment they did with Dynam- on Dynamite with uh, Cage and Allen was fucking amazing. I thought that was honestly amazing. But um, I thought it was good for what it was. We had Hook and Rob Van Dam teaming up to take on Matt Menard and Angela Parker 2.0. And it was, a, it was a fun match. Hook and RVD, they got the win. The babyfaces got the win. They showed a video package of Eddie Kingston winning the Ring of Honor world title and retaining the New Japan Strong title at Grand Slam. And later, he announced that that he will defend his titles against Katsuyori Shibata. I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really good. And I'm being real when I say it. I think it's going to be really good. We had Julia Hart taking on Kiara Hogan. I thought this was a fine match. But I will say this about Julia Hart. Julia Hart has been improving so much. Like, she has been getting better and better and better. And I honestly cannot tell you how much how much I see great things in her. Because she is getting better and better. She honestly... Has one of the best moonsaults. She's up there with Tiffany Stratton. Up there with EO. As one of the ladies who have the best moonsaults in pro wrestling. Possibly the best moonsault in women's wrestling period. But Julia Hart, she got a win over Kiara Hogan. I thought she did really good. Now, after the match, Julia Hart got um got Kiara Hogan into a hold, a submission hold. And she won't let go, but she finally finally does. No, Hogan won't let go, but finally does. Brody King comes into the ring, and Hart goes back, puts a submission hold. Sky Blue comes out, but Hart, Hart hides behind King. And Hart spits the blue mist in Sky... No, spits the mist in Sky Blue's face. 
King has the mic and he says that it won't end until Hart gets to face Chris Statlander for the TBS title. And she gets on the mic and she says, remember, Chris, this house, the house always wins. Are you sure about that? If if the house always wins, then where are your uh, trios titles? I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But it's like, you know what it reminds me when I say the house always always wins? Like, has anybody ever heard of Forever a Movement? And L always says Wicked always wins, but she always loses? Well... Not all, always, but she lost. But I don't think it's going to fare any better with uh, with Julia Hart. I don't think she's beating uh, Chris Statlander at Wrestle Dream. We had a really good match between Jay White and Andrade. I thought this was really good. With Jay White getting a win over Andrade. Poor Andrade, dude. Let me be real. Like, Andrade feels so fucking lost right now. He feels so lost in the shuffle. I don't know what they're doing with Andrade. But um, he's so talented. Like, he is so talented. I just want them to do more with the guy. Ugh. We had the AEW tag team titles on the line as FTR defended their titles against the Workhorsemen. I thought this was great. I thought this was a really great match with FTR retaining. Now, after the match, Aussie Open, they were on commentary. They were applauding for the champs. FTR is telling them to come to the ring. And Fletcher and Davis, they have the mics and say how they need to move and that they are the best. Harvard then has the mic and he says, I'm begging them to be the biggest, baddest tag team at Wrestle Dream, which, look, I think the match is going to be great. But, uh, I, I, I don't... I just don't know that. I just don't see Aussie Open winning the t- They just lost the Ring of Honor tag team titles. And they're going after the uh, AEW tag titles. I-, I don't know. But the match should be great. We go backstage with CJ Perry, the former Lana. They're starting to use her more. Which I say good. And the fact that she doesn't have the All Elite graphic is it's a sin. Now, she's backstage with, I believe, Lexi Nair. And she's talking about her husband, Miro, who lost his way. This brings out Miro, comes out and calls her a temptation, and that she's changed for fame. She needs to be saved by him. And she reveals that she is going to be a manager. And managing who? I could see it being Powerhouse Hobbs, which could draw more um, drama with Miro and CJ. And if they go that route, oh my God. You got me hooked right there. I think that would be a really, really great move. If AEW plays their cards right. But uh, I, I, I thought this was good. I thought this was really good. And in the main event, we had Brian Danielson taking on Ricky Starks in a Texas death match. I thought this was excellent. But not better than the, the strap match they had at All Out. I thought this was excellent. Brian Danielson once again gets the win. And after the match, Willa Yuta came out and 
Danielson and Big Bill does the same for Starks. And like I said, like I said, I thought this was good. The show itself was good. I would recommend watching the Texas Death Match. I thought that was amazing. But all in all, all in all, Collision was really good. We go to AEW Dynamite, the final build for Wrestle Dream, their new pay-per-view. Now, Dynamite took place at the First Bank Center in Denver, Colorado. And it was a lot of talking, but it did its job. And we do have news on Adam Cole, which to all you Adam Cole fans out there, it's not looking good. But um, I thought the show was good. Not great, but good. And we kick things off with the AEW International Championship on the line as Ray Phoenix defended his title against Jeff Jarrett. Fine match. Fine match for what it was with Ray Phoenix retaining. And like I said, it was fine for what it was. Really nothing special. But I just like how... You know what's crazy? The international title feels more of an important title than the world title. And that's saying a lot. But don't fret, my friends, because it looks like we might have a plan coming out of uh, this episode of Dynamite. Now, you guys know I love the MJF Adam Cole segments. They are shown hanging out on a boat on Long Island. Cole thanks his partner for bringing him out there. However, MJF points out that he was on the phone with Roddy for a long time. But Cole points out he loves them both. MJF then gets another beer but puts his dynamite diamond ring. Uh, as Cole then questions if MJF bought him out here to knock him out with it. Now Cole says it's normal to have more than one friend. And MJF then jokes that he almost got caught last time he tried to throw someone overboard. Now all of a sudden... They caught a fish. But instead, the fish was Captain Insano. And all I can say about that is it it was hilarious. Like, I laughed so fucking hard. Because it's just too damn funny to see these two have amazing chemistry. Like, they have really, really great chemistry. And their segments are just so funny. (laughs) It's too damn funny. But I loved it. I thought that was great. We had Renee Paquette, who's in the ring. And she welcomes out Don Callis and Konosuke Takeshita. And she asks if Sammy Guevara has joined them. And Callis says that, I'm happy that Guevara is free of that toxic of Chris Jericho. And he brings out the newest member of the Don Callis family. And Callis then shows um, footage of him and Takeshita in Tokyo, Japan recently. Where they head to Kota Ibushi's gym. When he eventually knocks Ibushi out with a kettlebell. And he chokes him out. He says the family has never been stronger than heading to WrestleDream. Guevara then says... He is being painted out to be the bad guy, but in reality, I'm the hero. He claims Jericho's the villain, as for four years, 
he had, like, he had, um, he held him back. Guevara says, whenever he was flying high, Jericho would clip his wings. Um, Jericho, no, he thought one day Jericho would pass him the torch, but Jericho is selfish. And so he had to take the torch. And now it is time to be the champion and the star that he was born to be. Callus says that, um, let's see, Callus says at Wrestle Dream, they'll take everything away from Ibushi, Jericho, and Omega until there's nothing left but tears. And I thought this was a good segment. I thought this was good for what it was. And, um, yeah. This is just another good way to build towards that six-man tag at Wrestle Dream. But, um, that's all I can say about it. Now, we are shown a backstage clip from AEW Collision. And Ricky Stark says, I survived the match against Brian Danielson. Will Uta then appears and says, Starks couldn't get up. Yet he gets up every day when they beat his ass. And he doesn't think that Starks has the balls to do that. And if he disagrees, they can find out at Wrestle Dream. As if it is then revealed that the match will be made official for this Sunday. And I will give my thoughts. I will give my thoughts when we t- when we run down the card. Because there's one thing that's going to irk me if this does not happen. But you'll see what I mean. We had Nick Jackson, Claudio Castagnoli, and Brian Cage. The winner of this match will face Ray Phoenix um, next week on Dynamite for the... For the AEW International Championship. I thought these two had a good match. No, I thought these three had a good match. And, um... It was Nick Jackson... Who got the win... Over Claudio and Brian Cage. And look, Nick Jackson and Ray Phoenix... I think that's going to be an excellent match. I think that's going to be an excellent match. Because I think these two faced each other before... I would not mind seeing it again. For the title, that's going to be even better. But um, I thought they had a really good six-man... No, not six-man, a trios match. We have MJF and Adam Cole. They're in the ring. And it's story time with Adam Cole, baby. And this is a sad chapter of the story because he got hurt really bad doing that jump off the ramp and onto the floor... Fucking up his ankle. I saw the x-ray. My God. My God. That looked fucking painful. To say the least. It was painful. And. He says he's broken three different places. His ankle is broken in three different places. And he tore his ligaments. And he says he has to go get surgery. And there's nothing more soul-crushing than this. And he will do whatever it takes to get back. As soon as possible. Now Cole points out that because they can't defend their Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles. They have to relinquish them. And MJF cuts him off and he says. He asks the fans if they really want to see them relinquish the title. 
to the righteous, which they said no. Now, MJF says, it was my fault that Cole got hurt as he needed him last week. He knows how much the Ring of Honor world titles, world tag titles mean to you. So he wants them to be, to be waiting for him when they do. MJF says he will slide into Seattle, defend the titles in a handicap match, and they'll win. Roderick Strong comes out and he's screaming, Adam! 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 Like he comes out on a wheelchair. He says, I need... He needs Adam more than ever right now because it's an emergency. MJF says Strong is a simp, but he's Cole's boy and he respects that. So he can go do what he needs to do, but he will be waiting for, for him to when he comes back. Now this brings out Bullet Club Gold and Jay White appears and he sends the rest of the group to the back. MJF immediately mocks White's facial hair. And he then points out he was com he was compared to a lot of people and the names got bigger. It never bothered him until he read MJF is good, but he's no Jay White. He then compares himself to a filet mignon as he's good enough in the ring on his own. But White is tofu as it takes on the flavor of anything, but you need to add something to it to make it have taste. MJF says White was given all the tools, but if he but if he plucked it all away, he is left with bland tofu. Pretty much comparing Jay White to tofu. He tells White to leave the ring, or people will say that White was no was good, but he's no MJF. Cooked. To say the least. You got cooked. Um, White says he was a little let down by the MJF experience. But he thinks MJF is distracted by his bromance. And the fans don't love him for like they do Cole. He says that he's here to ruin MJF's life in the flesh now. As he's going to take what it what means the most to MJF. The AEW World Championship. MJF says White doesn't have a clue what he's capable of. So why doesn't he show him? But Jay White decided to run away. I thought the Jay White and MJF stuff was excellent. The back and forth was excellent. I thought MJF won that uh, promo battle. And it's also unfortunate for Adam Cole to go under the knife. Because like he just got back from a bad concussion. And now he's going to be going under the knife to t take care of his ankle. Which, if you saw the x-rays, it is gruesome. Absolutely gruesome. But we follow up with one excellent segment to another excellent segment. With Jim Ross sitting down with Christian Cage and Darby Allen. Now, he also reveals that there is a no contact clause... And Cage claims as he's been the TNT champion for months now, Cage says his losses to Allens were flukes and they were non-title matches. But he will win on Sunday 
as he knows that Allen is nowhere near the man he is. Allen uses his body as a weapon, but he asks for a match to see what Allen can do when he has to when he had to wrestle. Cage then asks if Allen if Allen's uncle will be in attendance. Oh, that's right. Your uncle's dead. However, Allen says he doesn't that that doesn't impact who he is today. Cage can't beat him in my home in Seattle. He's won the title there before. I'll do it again. Cage then tells Allen, bring all your family. But Allen says, I'm doing it on my own. And if Cage had the balls, he would do it on his own. Now, Cage then says, Nick Wayne needs a real mentor. Not someone who hides behind face paint. And he will always be the TNT champion. Now, this is where it gets even better. Darby Allen just ticked off about this, takes this bottle of water, just washes half of that face paint off of his face, and he's just screaming at uh, Christian Cage. And I think this is a match I'm looking forward to. This was an excellent sit-down in a sit-down segment. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I would recommend that you guys watch that segment. We had Orange Cassidy, Matt Jackson... Austin Gunn and Penta El Cierro M. This just a four-way for the four teams that will be competing at Wrestle Dream. But um It was it was a fine match. It was a fine match with Orange Cassidy get, getting the win. I thought, like I said, I thought it was fine for what it was. We had Julia Hart taking on Willow Nightingale with Julia Hart again impressing me. And winning with the moonsault. I enjoyed this. I thought this was good. And we closed out Dynamite with a contract signing between Swerve and Hangman Adam Page. Now, Swerve comes out, right? You know, Prince Nana does his dance. When I swerve, when I drive. Like, Swerve just stopped him from doing it. And I instantly said, nope, I hate, I hate Swerve already. <laughs> but I like the guy. I like the guy. Um, so Swerve says, I'm impressed with Hangman Page's fire, but he's but he says it's too late for that. Page says walking into the Page is walking into the lion's den, and it's unlike anything Page has ever dealt with. And they couldn't be more opposite uh, to each other. Strickland says he's never he never wants to be a wrestler that Paige is. And Paige says, it's good. And that fired up Swerve Strickland. What he so- said previously stung him. But he's glad that Strickland said what he said what he did. He knew that something was up with him deep down inside. Because for a year and a half, he felt there was a black cloud over his head. Sure. The sun was shine. I beat Moxley in a te- Texas death match, reunited with the elite, and it felt like he should have been the happiest man in the world. But that cloud would come back. He knew for as long as God, for as long as God let it rain on him, he didn't dare to open the umbrella. But he's still here. 
the downpour has washed something out of him. Whether that was his passion, determination, or hope. He has come to realize the fans deserve more from him and they deserve the best from him. He deserves it for himself too. And that's what Swerve will get at WrestleDream. Now there was a line in this promo which was fucking great. And Strickland says a buckshot to a kill shot. Which is a Lucha Underground reference. For those of you who don't know the kill shot reference. Swerve Strickland played kill shot in Lucha Underground. Ah, good times. Good fucking times. But Strickland says that was the most pathetic thing I've ever seen. He says it isn't personal. It's just Paige is in the position he wants and told be tr- and truth be told he might have mental health problems because he makes an enemy every day as that fuels him he is going to take this position from him and he points out it rains a lot in Seattle Pace says he has knocked every opportunity he has ever had put out of the part and Swerve doesn't have what it takes to fill his boots Swerve then slaps Hangman Page, signs the contract, Hangman fires back by stabbing his hand with the pen, signed by blood. And I thought the contract signing was great. Now, that's not how the show closed, because we go backstage, we see Jay White is being jumped by a group of men. A group of men as a masked man is shown grabbing the camera. Now, this... Got a lot of people talking on who that mask individual is. And I could definitely, definitely see it being who I think it is. And I think it's Edge. Now, we could speculate. I feel like it's Edge. I think it's Edge. And it probably should be Edge. Now, the reason I say it could be Edge is because um, it's been reported by PW Insider that the WWE Hall of Famer is no longer listed on on the, the miscellaneous list of WWE internal talent roster. They still list him as an active performer. Now, Edge has been moved from the internal active roster to the company's... Uh, to the company's miscellaneous list. If I butchered that wrong, I apologize. Which features talents who are injured and active last month. So he's removed from the internal roster. And get this. Get this. Meltzer noted that Edge's deal expires as I'm recording on Friday. Tomorrow. This Saturday. Meaning he could... Keyword could show up at WrestleDream. Now Meltzer said, "Acts, you think Edge might show up?" And Brian says, "I mean, certainly people do think that that's a possibility." Meltzer says, "Because Edge's contract is up on Saturday, so he could also he could appear on Saturday." Alvarez says, "The moment Edge appears in AEW, he's going to get a massive babyface reaction." And this is Darby Allen in Seattle. And it would just be kind of weird. But they can try. 
And Melsa says, you can do it though. You're right. Everyone will go crazy. It's weird for, um, like, it's weird, but if that's the deal, or he could cost Christian the title, come in as a babyface and feud with Christian, if there's something that's going to get him back, I mean, it's obviously working with Christian. I don't know if he's going to re- going there or not. I just know that people in WWE, at least just a few weeks ago, believed he's going. he was going there. I haven't really asked anyone because it just hasn't been anything that hasn't come up, that has come up. But when I watch that promo, October 1st is an interesting day. Just with nobody at ringside, that's where you would do it. And like I said, it's a possibility that Edge could show up this Sunday. And if he does, damn, that's a big get for AEW. A massive, massive get for AEW. But other than that, I thought the final build to Wrestle Dream on Dynamite was good. I thought they did a really good job um, getting stuff ready and getting the crowd, well, getting the people excited for Wrestle Dream. Which, speaking of which, let's run through the card. There's 10 matches on the show, and I don't know if they're going to add a buy-in match, but I digress. And I'm going to start from the bottom and work my way to the top. We have Ricky Starks taking on Wheeler Yuta. This has to be a Ricky Starks win. If he loses to Wheeler Yuta, pack your stuff, Ricky, because I don't like seeing you losing. But I'm going with Ricky Starks. He needs this win more than Wheeler Yuta. He lost to Brian Danielson twice. And if he can't beat Wheeler Yuta then something is wrong. So I got Ricky Starks. I got him winning. He needs this win. We have the Young Bucks taking on the Guns, the Lucha Brothers, and Orange Cassidy and Hook, where the winner will receive a future AEW World Tag Team Championship match. Either team could work. Uh, but I'm going to go on a limb. I'm going to say Orange Well, Orange Cassidy did win that Fatal 4-Way. I could see it being... um Like the Young Bucks, they already had their opportunities. So I'm going to go with the Lucha Brothers. I'm going with the Lucha Brothers. I think they're going to win. But I would love an Orange Cassidy hook win. Because that would be something that's unexpected. And I like unexpected shit. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going with Orange Cassidy and Hook. We have Chris Statlander defending the TBS Championship against Julia Hart. I think Julia Hart has improved a lot. But I don't see her winning the title. I'm going with Chris Statlander. I think she's going to retain. I think this is an easy win for, uh, for Chris Statlander. That's just how I feel. But um, we have Eddie Kingston defending the Ring of Honor World Championship and the New Japan Strong Openweight title against Katsuyori Shibata. He just, like, Eddie Kingston just won the Ring of Honor World title, so it doesn't make sense for him to drop both titles to Shibata. I'm going with Eddie Kingston. He's going to win this match. We got a two out of three falls match between Christian Cage and Darby Allin for the TNT title. I'm going to predict the title change. I'm going with Darby Allen. 
I think Darby Allen is going to win the title. And I think that is where we see Adam Copeland, Edge, make his debut. Now, that's just a hunch. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but I'm just throwing it out there. We have Chris Jericho and the Golden Elite taking on the Don Callis family. I'm going with the Don Callis family. You're You're just starting to build them up. They need a big win over Omega and Jericho to establish them as a stable. So I'm going with the Don Callis family. We have a two-on-one handicap match for the Ring of Honor tag team titles, MJF against the Righteous, Vincent and Dutch. Somehow, I could see MJF retaining the titles, but I think I know... You know what? I could see him retaining the title. And... I feel like the destination they're going to do is have the Kingdom beat MJF for the Ring of Honor tag titles. I think that is the direction that they're going to go with. But I wouldn't be surprised if they give it to the Righteous. But I got MJF. I think he's going to find a way. We have FTR defending their AEW tag team titles against Aussie Open. I am going with FTR. He is going to retain the um, the FTR. Not the FTR tag titles. The AEW tag titles from Aussie Open. And I think that's the direction they're going to be going with. So, Aussie Open, they they lost the Ring of Honor. Like I said, they lost the Ring of Honor tag titles. And now they're going after the AEW tag titles. Make it make sense. And I mean this in the most respectful way. But FTR, they are not dropping those titles. We got Hangman Adam Page taking on Swerve Strickland. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. I could see Hangman Page winning, but you know what? He doesn't need the win. You want to establish Swerve, I think he needs this win more. So I'm going with Swerve Strickland. I think Swerve gets the win and he goes after the AEW world title as soon as he's done as soon as MJF is done feuding with Jay White. And in the main event, we got a dream match, which should have happened at Forbidden Door. Brian Danielson against Zack Sabre Jr. This is a match I am definitely looking forward to. Two of the best technical wrestlers out there. So, I'm going to go with Brian Danielson. I think he's going to win this. Or, they could have Zack Sabre Jr. win and gear up Brian Danielson for Wrestle Kingdom against Okada. That's what I could see. But I'm going with Brian Danielson. I think Brian Danielson is going to win this match. And that's my predictions for Wrestle Dream. Hey, you. Yes, I'm talking to you. Do you like video games? Do you like watching me play video games? Are you into gaming? Well, what better way to see me in action playing different types of games like Fall Guys, uh, Splatoon 2, Chroma Squad, and many others? What better way to find me on Twitch? Twitch is my favorite place to stream, and uh, all I can say is you can, you're going to see greatness in me in gaming. Because I like to entertain my followers and just chat with them, see how their lives are, how their lives are going. 
and you get to watch everything that I do for fun. I got, it's been four years since I got back into streaming, you know? Like, I was, the last game I streamed was uh, Overwatch. But if you or your friends like video games as much as I do, and you want to see me play it on Twitch, which I stream every Saturday, make sure you follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. Just Shino Phoenix. And you get to see how fun it is to be a Twitch streamer. If you want to be a Twitch streamer yourself, make sure you make an account. And you get to do great things as well. So, again, make sure you follow me. Twitch.tv slash Shino Phoenix. Once again, follow me, Shino Phoenix. And now, back to our daily show. Now, before we talk about the big story that happened in WWE, um, let's focus on the other stories that, um, that we got. And we got some injury news to share. Now, you may have noticed we haven't seen Sheamus with, uh, with, um, Butch and, um, what's that guy's name? Rich Holland? Yeah, that's his name. But you, you know why when I tell you this. Now, injuries, like if you ever get into the wrestling business, if you ever watch pro wrestling, injuries are just a matter of time from happening for all wrestlers. And it usually impacts the booking plans a promotion has. Sheamus has dealt with this before, and he's dealing with it again. Sheamus broke into the wrestling business in 2002 before signing with the WWE in 2006 and was called up to the main roster in 2009, where he has been a workhorse for the company while stacking up championships. His last match happened in a loss to Edge on August 18th of SmackDown when they were in Toronto. While speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer noted that Sheamus is dealing with a bad injury. And this is what he said, and I quote, By the way, Sheamus, really bad shoulder injury. That's why he has not been on TV or at house shows. And, unquote. It's really sad to hear that. Really, really sad to hear Sheamus is out with an injury. But I hope you get well soon, Sheamus. I hope, um, I hope the shoulder is healing up. It's really sad to, to hear that. Um, to hear that, uh, he's injured. But anyway, there's another talent who is injured, and that is Lib Morgan. And Lib Morgan had confirmed this, um, in an interview with Muscle and Health. So... If you guys want to know, they did a pilmanized angle with Liv Morgan's arm when when Morgan stated she could not move her arm while selling the attack. The week before, Morgan was spotted leaving Raw in a sling after she had been checked on fellow checked on following a a barricade spot. While speaking with Muscle and Health, 
for her new for a new interview, Morgan was discussing her diet when she confirmed she is injured. She says, I'm actually out injured right now. And aside from healing up, my focus has been on the nutrition, which is good. So it's been really exciting honing um, in on that. I want to come back in the very best shape of my life. She later added, I wouldn't necessarily call it the dark side of the sport because injuries are something we all know are possible before we even step foot in the ring for the first time. I'm super aware of the risk, but it's just part of the business. When compared to all the amazing opportunities that come with being a WWE superstar, it really doesn't feel that uh, prevalent. I've had a long and healthy career for the last nine years of my life. In fact, my injuries di didn't occur until this year. It's been unfortunate, but it's the, it's the name of the game. Luckily, we have a world-class medical team on call to keep us healthy and in tiptoe condition. We wish her so we we wish her a speedy recovery. I hope um I hope that she heals up in time and I'm glad that um like and I'm glad she confirmed that she's injured but her focus is on her nutrition, which is good. She's trying to get back into in the shape. But Again, I, I wish you a speedy recovery, Liv Morgan. And when she gets back, she could get revenge on Rhea Ripley. Because Rhea Ripley was the one who, who wrote her off of television. That is a good, that's a good idea. I think that would be an excellent idea to call back to that. You know? But, and we do have some health issues, um... The Anoa'i family issued a statement about the health of former WWE star Afa Anoa'i Jr., also known to fan as Manu, as Manu, from several years ago. The family noted that he's been dealing with heart issues, and this is from the statement, the mother of Afa Jr. We would like to give you all an update on Afa's cardiac condition. First off, we would like to say thank you for the continued prayers, love, and support we are receiving for Afa at this most difficult time. Afa has a team of cardiologists working with him and now is the most critical part of his recovery. He will be watched closely by his physicians and continue with extensive testing procedures and medication. Alpha was discharged home under strict guidelines due to his ejection fracture of 35%. Um, Alpha's father is by his side for an indefinite period of time. Alpha needs to rest without any stress instrument and uh, strenuous activities. He can only do some dishes, laundries, and minimal stairs until further notice. His cardio... His cardiologist believes with him following the, their strict instructions, his rehabilitation and recovery will be a success and he should return to the ring once he reaches 60%. For everyone that knows and loves Afa, this will be the most difficult road to rehabilitation. 
in recovery for him. Since we all know, he is always hands-on and cannot sit still watching others. Wrestlers are are considered independent contractors and are not eligible for the benefits we receive. So, So, we ask for respect and privacy at this time. And please understand negative comments regarding the situation and his family is very difficult for his children, family, and all of us that love him in the most difficult time of need. Thank you for your continued prayers and support with this ongoing unexpected situation. With love, Afa's mom. And there is a GoFundMe page for um, Afa Jr. Now, on a related note, Steve Fall um, interviewed Alpha NOI Jr. recently from WrestlingNews.co. He expressed interest in returning to WWE and possibly joining the Bloodline. But I'm sending again. I'm going to send my best wishes to him. Hopefully, your recovery is going well, Alpha Jr. And just make sure you look after yourself. Make sure you look after yourself. Make sure you are doing what your cardio cardiologist is telling you what to do just make sure you are 100% okay so take make sure you take care of yourself now we talked about CM Punk you guys know my thoughts about CM Punk after the shit that happened at All In you know how I felt about this now CM Punk is still on the open market following his release from AEW, although there was no word on whether he has a non-compete clause as part of the deal. Ever since AEW release, ever since his AEW release due to a backstage incident with Jack Perry at AEW All In, there's been speculations about him returning to WWE, which I, I gave my thoughts. I said, you, you do not want a, another headache with CM Punk. And, like, I get why you want him back because he's a draw. He could draw a lot of people into their shows. But when you look at it, I I just cannot fathom with Triple H and Vince dealing with the new owner's endeavor, possibly dealing with CM Punk's attitude. That's going to reflect on them, and they don't want that. Now, there also has been no word yet on whether WWE is interested in having him back, but he was interested in returning last December with the idea of working the Royal Rumble following the month before WrestleMania 39. While speaking on The Observer, Dave Meltzer noted that Matt Riddle, who was released by WWE last week, has no negative feelings with people in AEW and vice versa, unlike Punk, who still has people upset With him in WWE. Now he said and I quote. From a locker room. A disruptive situation. That those are leagues apart. You know Riddle and Punk. There are a lot of people with bad feelings about Punk and management in WWE. There's nobody with bad feelings in management on Matt Riddle and AEW. Now. Like if you don't. I'm being real when I say this. Like, I don't care. Yes, CM Punk is is a draw. He could 
bring in people for the shows. But when you're on your boom period right now, right now, it you just it just shows you don't need CM Punk. You you never need CM Punk. And I think that's the big case right there. Like CM Punk does not need um he does not need to go to WWE. WWE doesn't need CM Punk. Like I'm going to say this again. Like do you want another headache with CM Punk? That's all I'm asking. So if I'm WWE, I would think wisely not to bring him back. All right? But if he wants to come back and he wants to make amends, that's up to him. That's up to him. But um, that's just my honest thoughts on that. So, but with Matt Riddle, with Matt Riddle being um, one of the names that I could see possibly jumping to AEW, they got to tread lightly because Matt Riddle, as talented as he is, He's his own worst enemy. He's his own worst enemy. And they got to be careful. That's all I'm going to say. Be careful. Because I know how talented the guy is. But anyway. With CM Punk. Sure it would be a nice surprise. But. I just cannot see. Him coming back. I won't believe it until I see it. That's That's how I see it. Now, let's talk about Jay Uso. Apparently, WWE is very happy with Jay Uso, and they got big plans for him as a single star. Following the split up with the bloodline, Jay Uso has not only separated from the undisputed Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa, and Paul Heyman, but also Jay Uso. Following the post SummerSlam episode of SmackDown, Jay Uso said that he quit SmackDown, and WWE only returned to only to return to be a part of the Raw roster following payback. FIFO Select reports that other members of the bloodline would be focused on as important building blocks coming out of SummerSlam. Those around the storylines were confident that the angle could launch Jey Uso into a single stardom. They were told to move the move to Raw for Jey was part of their process and there are long-term plans for him with the wheels already in motion. Jay is tentatively planned for a long-term and heavily featured role that should carry at least, th- at least through the next two months, with him getting plenty of screen time as WWE officials are very happy with the reactions to Uso, to Jay Uso, not Jimmy. And that's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I still think the long-term plan is for Jay to wrestle his brother Jimmy. Both of them want to wrestle each other at WrestleMania. Like, they got to main event night one of WrestleMania. They will love it if they faced each other one-on-one. And I think that's where we're going to be heading. If that's the long-term plan. But, look, I'm happy for Jay. Like, he took the ball and he's doing great. I honestly think he's doing great right now. And... If they use him properly and they play their cards right, then he might be a big player in time. Because we know he's a a great tag team wrestler with his brother Jimmy, but 
I think after his performance against Roman during the pandemic, I could see where they, they're going to be going with this. And not only that, he has to make up for all the shit that he did to Sammy, to Kate. Well, him and Sammy are cool, but but he, but still, make up for Sammy, make up for what he did to uh, Cody, to Drew McIntyre, to Kevin Owens in particular. It's like he's making more enemies. But um, I, I like this. Like I said, I thought, I think this is really good. And if they got big plans for him, then I'm all in. I am literally all in for uh, for the uh, Jey Uso push. Now let's talk about contracts. Now, we did talk about Hulu on the last episode and WWE it seems like WWE programmers will be staying on Hulu for a short term. They signed a short term extension with um, Hulu. Now, WWE has shows such as Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Main Events, Superstars, NXT Level Up, and Espanol, 205 Live, Total Divas, and Total Bellas on the streaming service. It was picked up last week that there had been an expiration tag on the episodes with them being moved on either Monday, September 25th or Tuesday, September 26th. It was later confirmed on Twitter that Hulu streaming rights to WWE content would be expiring on those dates. However, however, that has changed as two sides have seemingly agreed on at least one at least a short-term extension as the content that was slated to expire now listed as expiring in the next 7 to 14 days. Whether or not the long-term deal gets worked out, fans can still look forward to the reality show with Bianca Belair and Montez Ford that is in the works and is slated to air on Hulu. And I don't know how this reality, sh- like you know, I'm not, I'm not the reality show type guy. But um, I mean, at least they have a short extension. But I'm curious about the Bianca and Montez show. I wonder how that's gonna work. But there's another deal that WWE signed with. They signed a TV deal with Abima in Japan to air Raw and SmackDown. Tokyo Sports, they first reported that WWE Raw and SmackDown will air on Abima in Japan starting on the 3rd of October. The plan is for Raw to air on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Hmm, Tuesday Night Raw, huh? Interesting. While SmackDown will air at on Saturdays. Saturday Night SmackDown? Hmm. The show will also will air free of charge in Japan also, premium live events will air on Abima. Now, KG Muto also noted on Twitter that he will be the ambassador for the special broadcast that will air on Friday. He previously sat at ringside for WWE Payback to watch Shinsuke Nakamura challenge Seth Rollins for the World Heavyweight Championship. And, get this. Speaking of KG Muto, because I know he mentioned this 
about WWE and pro wrestling Noah possibly doing something together. And if this is the case, oh my goodness. Now, I'm I was in a group chat on uh on Facebook and this is a really good this is a really good thing, you know? Now, Keiji Muto, and I'm going on Fightful site, he says there is a possibility something is born between WWE and NOAA with WWE Abima deal. And if they work together, oh my God, that would be great. Now, speaking with the BBM Sports Japan, Keiji Muto commented on the deal and shared his belief that something with WWE and NOAA could come out of it given the fact that both companies are now on Abima. So this is what he said. Noah is also on Abima, right? It is a member of the Cyber Agent Group. Now WWE is also Abima. So there's a possibility that something will be born between WWE and Noah. Okay, next time I'll build that bridge. I'll buy Triple H some sushi. <laughs> He'll buy him some sushi. I'll bring the receipt to Abima. Wrestling is all about connecting the dots to the line. Now, there is no word on whether WWE and Noah will work together. And the great Muda was inducted in this year's Hall of Fame. And Shinsuke Nakamura got to wrestle the great Muda in the New Year's, the New Year 2023 in Noah. But, um, if there is... If there is a deal that's going to happen with Noah and WWE, like, let's just envision this. This could get more eyes on pro wrestling Noah, even though they already got more eyes on it. And someone in the group chat that I'm in did mention that WWE tried to buy pro wrestling Noah. And they pretty much gave Vince the finger. I doubt the WWE camp gave up the idea, though. Noah hasn't really grown their audience all that much since they were bought by the cyber agents. So I wouldn't be surprised if the if the latter sells the whole cyber fight subsideries for WWE to develop NXT Japan, which is a which Victor, who is our group expert, that's a good idea. If they could do something with Noah, I could definitely see NXT Japan being a real thing. Now I'm sure Muda would champion that idea he's a big fan of western sports entertainment also he's a terrible businessman oh damn <laughs> throwing shades on poor KG Mudo. but um it's a possibility that um we could see them working together but just nothing is in place yet now unless they get somebody from pro wrestling noah to enter in the royal rumble then that's going to get a lot of people talking. But um, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But new deal with WWE to air this shit in Japan. That's fine by me. That's fine by me. Now, on Raw, there was a... Uh, actually, you know what? I was going to talk about the Becky Lynch stuff. But uh, I want to save that when we talk Monday Night Raw. Because there is... A story with Becky Lynch and the next angle that we were supposed to have last week. But the big story, it is official. Jay Cargill 
is officially joined WWE after weeks of reports that she is heading to the company. She has finished up with AEW after her contract expired earlier this month and has been training at the Performance Center in Orlando. She joins Cody Rhodes as only the second person from AEW to jump to WWE since the promotion launched in 2019. Now, it was previously reported that WWE has been working on main roster creative for her, indicating that she will be going there instead of NXT. When WWE confirmed the news on their social media, when somebody big signs with the company, it's a big deal. So, like literally on their Twitter, they say, Breaking, Jay Cargill has signed a multi-year contract with WWE as first reported by ESPN. And this is from Stanford, Connecticut. And this was on Oscar's birthday. WWE Today announced it has signed Jay Cargill to a multi-year contract. The news was first reported by ESPN. Jay Cargill, a standout performer who has earned accolades as an industry-renowned talent, will begin training today, which she already did, at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando. Now, Jay Cargill was asked about why... Now, this was on the Maskman show. Now, she was asked how does she feel about joining WWE. She says it feels great. You know, I feel like I was just in preparation for the grand stage. I felt like this was always the mission. I felt like, you know, the shoe fit. I felt like this was going to happen. Honestly, this is all expected. So I'm excited to be here. Now, she was also asked on how she knew it was time to go to WWE. She responded by saying, One thing, I'm a businesswoman. And I think I made the, um, the best route at the time. WWE is a great company, you know. But I took what I had and I bet on myself and the outcome obviously paid off. I want to create a legacy. I want to be in the Hall of Fame. I want to wrestle with the best women in the world. I mean, there's no grander stage than this stage. You know the opportunities are endless for the company. So it's a no-brainer. It was very welcoming and I didn't have any second thoughts about, about it at all. It was just an easy choice. My ceiling, there is no limit to what I can do. And I think you know, you should always bet on Jade. In regards to how people feel, obviously, you should always bet on Jade because I'm going to go out there. I'm a star in the making. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to work hard because I'm a worker. And that's what I do. At the end of the day, my star power is undeniable. What I do in the ring is undeniable. And I just need to come here to create that legacy. And yeah, household name, and that's what I'm here for. Now, she was asked, who would she like to wrestle in WWE? And she responded, there's so many names. Nia Jax, Rhea Ripley, that would be a good one. Charlotte Flair would be a good one, but my dream match... And I think she hit the nail right here. Bianca Belair. 
Her and Bianca, I think that would be a fucking classic. That's a WrestleMania SummerSlam worthy big match. It should not be a free televised match. Now, there's not there's not just one person. I want to take them all down. Like I said, I'm creating a legacy. I'm here to take over. I see what you did there, Jade. And make a name for myself. So whoever wants it, they'll come and get it. If spending time in NXT was part... Now she says... If spending time in NXT was part of her conversation when she signed. And she said, you're trying to slide it in there with the question. You asked for too many questions. And she's laughing in a good way. Now... She was also asked if she felt she hit the glass ceiling in AEW. She says, I wouldn't say it was a ceiling. I would just say that the route that I wanted to take was different from the route that I wanted to embark on was different. And I didn't see over there where I could get it. And the only way I could do it was coming to WWE. Coming to the WWE universe. So I bet on myself... I made the best decision by coming here. And that's pretty much the reason. She wants to be in the Hall of Fame. And um, she mentioned joining the company was a no-brainer. Well, she did spoke with ESPN. And continuing on with the Jay Cargill stuff. She was asked, will she be on the main roster of the NXT brand? This is from ESPN. She says it has been decided. And guess what? Everybody's going to have to tune in to every network to see where I'm going. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to stir the pot and get people guessing where I'm going to be. So just tune in. If I have to take a guess, I could definitely see her on SmackDown. She will be the biggest star on SmackDown. She'll join Charlotte, Asuka, Io, and Bianca as the top stars in that company. Now, the reason she left AEW for WWE was because of the leadership. Paul, Bruce, Dan, and Nick mean you you can't get any better than that. And I'm the first signing under the umbrella. I mean, there's so many different things. Where else can you go to get the best quality training? Nowhere else. The PC is here. The PC here is one-on-one. There's nothing else like it. The machine is behind you. The platform, just the overall history, the legacy, creating household names means I can go on and on. I mean, why not? The question is, why not? Yes, I was I would say that they see that it's in it's in me. I think they know that I worked hard that I'll be bring that hard work over here to the PC. And I'll do what it takes to be a household name. And create that legacy. Now she was asked on what happened with AEW. That led to her deciding to leave. Now she put over the company. She said nothing happened with them. It's just I wanted to create something. That nobody else can do. And where else can you create that leadership role? Where else could you. Could you be a household name? Where else can you create that legacy? I want to be in the hall of fame. There was no other place I want to be at the PC working my butt off and working with my best trainers that have that wrestling has to offer. I work with Daniel Bryan's like a phenomenal guy, 
but he came here, right? So I thought this was a no-brainer. And she was literally asked, um, she if she's got the bag, and she's like, I am the bag. <laughs> I, I love Jade, man. She is great. But um, she was also interviewed by Justin Barrasso on Sports Illustrated, and she discussed her goals. She pretty much says, I understand what I'm here for. I want to capture gold and I want to headline WrestleMania, but none of that is handed out. I want to work to create those phenomenal moments. I want to have a marquee matches. I want to get people talking and I want to create something bigger than myself. Now Cargill added that while some fans may not like her, they will tune in to watch her, which is true. And I think WWE getting Jade Cargill, that's a big, big signing. And I think she's going to be a major, major player. Like I said, she's going to be a major star. If WWE plays their cards right, booking-wise. And I think they're going to do well with um, Jay Cargill. Now, Becky Lynch actually talked about Jay Cargill with uh, the New York Post. And she was asked about Jay Cargill. And this is what she said. I watch all the products. I think it's great. More women f with more platform. I think she has a lot of work to do when she gets here. But if she's willing to do that, just look at her. She's a star. It's more people for me to get in the ring and kick their asses. <laughs> and that's a good praise from Becky Lynch. Even though she went in the kicking ass even though I could do, I could see a match with Jade and Becky Lynch again if they play their cards right. But other than that, Jade Cargill, like think of the matches she could have. Like she could have a match with Oscar, with Io, with Charlotte, Bailey, Bianca, Rhea Ripley, Raquel, uh, Zoe Stark, Shayna Baszler. Not like Nia Jax. I know that's gonna rub some people the wrong way, but. And a returning Kyrie too. But we'll see where that goes. But other than that, it's a good signing. Like, I'm really happy for Jade. I think she's going to have a successful run in WWE. Mark my words. Go back to this episode. I'm telling you right now. She's going to have a successful run with this company. And like I said, I put my trust in WWE to... uh play the card right with Jade Cargill. Hopefully they do right with Jade. Because they got somebody who can be star potential. Well, she's already a star. But she can literally go out there and command the audience. I can't wait to see how she does in WWE. Monday Night Raw took place at the Toyota Arena in Ontario, California. And I thought this was a really good episode of Monday Night Raw. And I'm being real when I say this. I thought this was a good episode. You got two title matches, which I thought was the highlight of the entire show. And some of the matches, some of the other stuff was good. But um, some of them were pretty mid. But um, like I said, I thought this was a really, really good episode of Monday Night Raw. And of course, we start things off with Cody Rhodes. He kicks off the show. And he welcomes everybody to Monday Night Raw. And I'm surprised he didn't... Well, he did say, um, So, what do you guys want to talk about? 
He says, I've been interrupted two weeks in a row trying to get out what I need to get out. He said Jay Uso come, coming to Raw means someone is heading to SmackDown. In a disgruntled Raw locker room, he says while he isn't best friends with Jay, he wasn't going to stand by as Judgment Day attacked him because helping him was the right thing to do. He calls Judgment Day toxic before Judgment Day comes out. Again, no Rhea Ripley because she's in Australia. You got Damian, Finn Balor, and Dominic Mysterio making their way to the ring. And Balor asks Rhodes why he has to stick his nose in Judgment Day's business. Priest says they gave Jay a chance to join a real family, but he had to save the day because everything is always about him. Dominic looks to speak and the booze are raining down. Now, I've heard that they piped it in. Like, I know somebody in the crowd is prob was probably at the show and it didn't sound like it was piped, it was piped in. They genuinely booed the guy and you could barely hear what he's saying. And Rose tells him that although he has a real family, they can't stand him. He asks Judgment Day, what would happen when Rhea Ripley returns and all three of their him have lost their titles? Dominic tells Rose to keep Ripley's name out of her out of his mouth before hopping up on the apron with Priest and Balor. Jay appears to provide Rose with some with some backup, and Sammy and KO are right are right on the heels. With the odds of four to three, Judgment Day backs down, but halfway to the ramp, JD McDonough appears with two chairs. And he hands one to Balor, and they head to the back, uh, into the ring alongside Damian Priest. Priest tries stopping them, but they disregard. They disregard them, and a brawl ensues, which the baby faces they got the upper hand when they all hit their attacks on Damian Priest, and he cracks a chair into his spine. So. I thought this was a good opening segment, but again, I'm, I pay attention to what happens, um, what happens at the end because this could also be setting up something even better. So, again, this is I, I keep my I'm a I'm an observer, so I know what um is going to happen. What, but uh, the opening segment I thought was fine. I thought it was fine for what it was. We had Bronson Reed taking on Otis. I thought this was a fine match. It was fun for what it was. And it was a, it was literally big meaty men slapping meat. But this was really good. With Bronson Reed getting a win over Otis. He's got a win over the Alpha Academy. So it looks like he might be eyeing a title. And I could definitely see it be the Intercontinental title. Now, we go backstage. We see Becky Lynch shining her NXT Women's Championship when Tegan Knox walks in. And Lynch says she expected her to answer the open challenge uh, instead of Natalia. Now, Knox says she thought she would let the veteran answer the call. And after offering up some advice, Lynch offers her the next shot after Tiffany Stratton at no this weekend at No Mercy. Now, after the break, we see Tegan Knox and Natalia 
backstage arguing with Adam Pierce, asking for a shot for the NXT Women's title. So Pierce makes a number one contenders match between them later on during the show. Now, speaking of which, Becky Lynch actually talked about, um, she actually talked about the uh, Knicks Raw match last week. And this was confirmed while talking to, to the New York Post. And she says there's a full truth in that. That was one of the things I wanted to do with this title. I wanted to have open challenges for the women who haven't been getting opportunities. Women that have been in the back that love wrestling and that want an opportunity and haven't been able to get it. And Becky Lynch, and I got to give Becky Lynch credit. I got to give her some praise here because she did call out about how the women have been booked. Some of the women who have been booked. Because she mentioned a couple of names. About. About um who. Is not. Like who believes she has potential to elevate. So she named Zoe Starks. Indy Hartwell. Zia Lee and Candice LeRae. And. I cannot agree more. And this is what she said. She said this. I need people to come up. I need people on this level. But if nobody's getting any TV time. If nobody's getting any storylines. Then they can't rise up. Because nobody knows who the hell they are. It's hard to gain momentum. If you don't get no TV time. And it's hard to get TV time. If there's is nothing to fight for. We know Rhea Ripley only likes hanging out with the lads. The Judgment Day. And doesn't like getting hit. So that's why I came along with my championship trying to give some people, give people some opportunities. I'm very grateful for my time, but I want more time, damn it. That's why I will do all of these things. That's why I'll go down to NXT. That's why I'll be in the shows. That's why I'll be in the dark matches on SmackDown as well. As being a mother and traveling and writing a book. And all the other things. Like she literally talks about. There hasn't been a lot of time dedicated for storylines. Developing the people they need to. They need to in WWE. For the women's division. And I cannot agree more. Like I cannot agree more. Because. There are so many people. And if you're wondering what the sound is in the background. My uh, neighbor across the street is cutting my grass. But um. The only thing I'm going to say about this. Like. She has every right to call them out on this. Because how are some of the women like Zia Lee, Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, Kaden Carter, Katana Chance, um, Mia Yim are going to get an opportunity to showcase how good they are. Like, don't just call them up for the sake of call them up. Fucking do something with them. Like, that's all I'm saying. Do something with them because they can't just sit in the back and do nothing. They can't just come to work and not do a damn thing. They need to get that shit resolved. And I hope with this open challenge, this could open more eyes to new faces that they can push. That's all I'm hoping for. So, but um, that, that, that's a good point that Becky brought up. How is... How are some people going to get an opportunity if they're not going to be on television? 
That is the question that has to be answered. So, I hope they resolve this. Now, we had Tommaso Ciampa taking on Ludwig Kaiser. I thought this was a good match. With Kaiser almost had the match won if it wasn't for Giovanni Vinci. And now they're telling the story that Giovanni Vinci could be the weak link for Imperium. Now, Tommaso Ciampa, he did beat Ludwig Kaiser. And he did note that he's coming for Gunther. Now, later during the show, later during the show, we go backstage. We see Gunther chewing out Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. And Gunther tells Kaiser that Vinci is now your responsibility. And if he messes up, then it's not then not only will Vinci be held accountable, but so will you. So, again, a nice little story that they're telling, but I hope to God they don't break up Imperium. They don't even need to add another member. I hope that's not what they're trying to do. We had Tegan Knox well, rewinding. We had Tegan Knox taking on Natalia with Tegan Knox getting the right, the win that she rightfully deserves. Like, she doesn't need... um. To lose to Natalia. I'm just happy that Tegan Knox is on television. Like, I'm I'm literally so happy that Tegan Knox is back on television. Like, you don't understand. Cause I want to see I want her to succeed. I want her to be a success. And I hope WWE does well. I hope WWE does more with Tegan Knox when they do this title match. Cause I, I just say I just say it every time. Like Tegan Knox has a story you could tell. Back to back ACL tails on both on both legs. Comes back better and stronger. You got a story that the crowd could relate to. And I hope they pulled the trigger on that. Like, I'm not asking for much, but come on. But anyway, we go backstage. We see the judgment day. And Damian Priest is chewing out J.D. McDonough for what happened earlier tonight. And he makes it clear, you're not a part of the group. And he kicks him out of the lounge. So, again, a little tease of a dissension. But not really. But it's going to play a part in the main event because it's not a dissension. It's J.D. literally trying to get his way into the Judgment Day. And I definitely see that happening. We had Seth Rollins. He's coming out and he welcomes fans to Monday Night Rollins. He then tells the crowd that if they're as sick as sick and tired of Shinsuke Nakamura as I am, then sing my song, which they do. And if they think it's time for him to defend the world championship, he calls out Nakamura unless he wants him to move on to another challenger. So Nakamura appears on the Titantron and he says Rollins has many demands. He says he wants nothing more than to be the straw that breaks Rollins back. Then says while his stamina is admirable, he has no patience. He says Rollins showed his hand while he has yet to show his. Then formally accepts the challenge and calls his shot for the World Heavyweight Championship at Fastlane to be a last man standing match. Now Rollins, he's taking a minute to think about it, to think it over, and admits that Nakamura played his hand perfectly. 
He says Nakamura is forgetting one thing. And that is, and this is when I love it when Rollins gets serious. He says, This is that this back is not his weakness, but rather my strength. He says, Family will only be ashamed, his family will only be ashamed of him if he doesn't give it his all. He accepts the stipulation and says, One of them will walk out as champion. And adding that, it will be me. So I thought this was a good uh, promo with Seth Rollins. And this, the stipulation they added, I thought was good. So, um, but I'm looking forward to it. But again, Nakamura is not beating Seth Rollins. Like, I'm loving the heel run. I think the heel run is great. But he is not beating Seth Rollins. That is going to Gunther. That is literally going to go to Gunther. We have the NXT North American title on the line as Dominic defends against Dragon Lee. And I thought they had an excellent match. I thought this was a really, really great match. And the main rock, the casuals get to see how great Dragon Lee is. And Dominic even proved that he doesn't even need Mia, not Mia, uh, Mommy, aka Rhea Ripley, to be by his side. So. I could definitely, definitely, like, I thought this was Dominic's um, best match. Possibly his best title defense, period. And like I said, Dragon Lee, he did great on his in-ring debut. So, definitely keep an eye on Dragon Lee if you don't know who he is. He is fucking great. But Dominic got the clean win over Dragon Lee. And I thought, like I said, I thought this was really, really good. Now, we go from that to Michael Cole, who's in the ring, to introduce Nia Jax. Now, she comes out, and Cole asks Jax, why are you targeting the entire women's division? And Jax says, I wasn't paying attention to you. She says, I'm Nia Jax, and she calls herself the baddest human in all of WWE. She says, everyone thought that that title would go to Rhea Ripley, but she squashed her. She said the same thing applied to Shayna, Zoe, Raquel, Chelsea Green, and Piper Niven. And she squashed all of them. Zoe Starks comes out and says, You haven't squashed you haven't squashed me, but you did it while my back was turned. And she dares her to do something, and the two begin brawling, which leads to a match with Nia Jax winning. It was it was okay, I guess, but really not much, I will say that. You could go back and watch and say, oh, this was great. No, it, it was all it was all right for what it was. Nia Jax won with the Annihilator. That's pretty much the bonsai drop. And that was that. Now, we had Miz TV. Good old Miz TV. Miz welcomes fans to his show. And he brings out Drew McIntyre. And Miz tells him that you can speak freely. And McIntyre asks Miz if he has any questions. And Miz applauds him. Uh, McIntyre for standing idly by as Jey Uso was being attacked by the Judgment Day last week. Now McIntyre says, he's nothing like the, he's nothing like Miz. And Miz says what you did was in his image. He then says McIntyre was unbeatable until he wasn't. And gives his history. 
it makes sense that he doesn't trust Jay. And McIntyre says Karma's a bitch. And Miz says McIntyre's the Batman of WWE. And he compares Cody Rhodes to um to Superman. Like he compares him to Superman. And then asks, how does it feel? How it felt to be beat by him last week, which brings out Kofi and Xavier Woods. Now, Kingston says McIntyre is not a coward like he showed them last week. And Woods echoes the same sentiment, which Miz cuts them off. And this is the running gag. He tells Miz to shut up. McIntyre does. And he says they were having a conversation before McIntyre then interrupts him and says, no one did anything until Rhodes helped Jay last week. Kingston says McIntyre should have helped Jay out and McIntyre reminds them of all their losses at the hands of the bloodline. So they're arguing and Miz puts his hands up and he's like, when my hair goes up, your mouth goes shut. And McIntyre just headbutts him and says, it's time for talking is over. Get in this ring and we got Drew McIntyre against Kofi, which I thought was a good match. And Drew McIntyre, he got the win. And it was because of Ivar and Valhalla. Now, after the match, Ivar and Valhalla are in the ring. And Ivar's firing off back elbows. And again, if you're hearing, that's the weed eater. My neighbor's cutting my grass. Um, he goes to the back, hits a really good moonsault. And pretty much flattens him like a pancake. And I thought this was uh was good for what it was. And it looks like we're going to have the New Day and the Viking Raiders. If Eric is cleared. Because I don't know what the status is with Eric. But hopefully he's alright. Now in the main event we had a really good undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship match. Between the Judgment Day and KO and Sami Zayn. This was really good for what it was. With the Judgment Day retaining with the help of J.D. McDonough. Remember what I said. I feel like J.D. McDonough is going to be a part of Judgment Day pretty soon. Now after the match. Now this is where I paid attention to. Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso. They reemerged. They attacked the Judgment Day. You got Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens joining in. And you got a huge brawl. That breaks out. And that's how Raw ended so, judging by what they did, it looks like we're going to have Zayn, Owens, Cody, and Jay Uso taking on the Judgment Day with JD McDonough at War Games. This has to be a build for War Games. And I hope to God that is the destination that we should be heading. But all, other than that, I thought Monday Night Raw was a really good show. It impressed. Sometimes you would have... A good show, but sometimes you would have one of those shows where it's just meh. But it was a good show nonetheless. Now let's switch gears to NXT because we are on the final build to NXT's No Mercy. Which, let me do my little cheap plug. I will be live on Twitch this Saturday to react and give my thoughts on the matches. And if we get any surprises. Now... We start things off with the NXT Global Heritage Tournament Finals. Who will face Noam Dar at No Mercy? Butch or Joe Coffey? And I thought they had a really, really good match. 
with um, Butch, Pete Dunne, getting the win over Joe Coffey. So he will be challenging Noam Dar at No Mercy. Now, we go backstage and Dominic Mysterio gloats about his win over Dragon Lee. Oblivious to the fact that Dragon Lee is in a triple threat match uh, for the North American title, which Dominic gets furious. Now, we are shown at an Italian restaurant with Tony D and Stax. They invite Humberto, Curio, and Angel Garza. And Angel says that they came there for the NXT titles. And Stax tells him, wait for the others, which you had the Creed brothers and you had OTM, who beat um, Hank and Tank. And all I could say is for that, like, and I'm just going to continue on with this, with this, because pretty much what they did, they set up a fatal four-way for the tag titles at No Mercy, because that's, that's their way of uh, getting every tag team on the card. So I'm not going to go through all the, um, the segments with them, but that's what the Italian restaurant was for. We had Trick Williams. He took on Joe Coff, not Joe Coff, Joe Gacy. And I thought they had a good match. I thought they had a good match. With Trick Williams getting the win. And he says it feels good to get the win. And it's ambidextrous. I hand out an ass whipping with both hands. And he says, I'm betting Carmelo Hayes to win the NXT title at no, to win at No Mercy. Williams says that he wants a title of his own, which later during the show, he goes to the office of um, Shawn Michaels. And what happens, you'll see. You'll know where I'm going with this. But um, it leads to him getting an opportunity and making a triple threat into a fatal four-way. That's what happened. But, um, like, Trick Williams is over, dude. He is so fucking good. And charismatic, too. Like, he is so fucking charismatic that he... I honestly believe that he should get a title one day. I honestly believe that. But, um, we go backstage. We see Blair Davenport being interviewed by Mackenzie Mitchell. And she calls out Gigi Dolan and tells her to watch what she does tonight. And what happened? She attacked Gigi Dolan when she was stretching. And we see Blair Davenport standing over a prone Gigi Dolan. So she took her out of the equation. Now, we also go backstage. We see Andre Chase and Duke Hudson. They're looking for Thea Hale. And we see... J.C. Jane revealed Thea in an all-black symbol. Thea says, "I've she's finally feels like a grown-ass woman. And J.C. says, to wait until they see her new uh, ring gear. And what a ring gear she had, to say the least. We'll get to that in a second. We have Baron Corbin. He defeated Josh Briggs. It was a simple match to give Baron Corbin the win. For his upcoming match against Braun Breaker. Now Corbin gets on the mic. And says that at no mercy. 
We'll learn in Braun, Braun Breaker has if Braun Breaker has more bark or bite. Corbin says he burned his past and is looking at the future, but he immediately gets interrupted by Braun Breaker, who immediately starts brawling. Security does his best to separate the two, but they were the referees begin to help. The crowd is chanting, let them fight, and we go to commercial break. Um, we go to commercial break for that, and spoiler alert, they were fighting in the parking lot, which is also a spot where you don't want to be in. Just saying. We had a strap match between Eddie Thorpe and Dijak. I thought this was really good with Eddie Thorpe getting the win in front of his family, but he didn't walk out the winner. Like, he he won the match, but he didn't walk out on his own two feet. Because Dijak, after the match, attacked Thorpe, tied him up in a tree of woe, and positioned, positioned in front of his family, and he whips him with the belt. And they escort Dijak out of the arena, so the poor kid had to watch Eddie Thorpe get whipped. But like I said, I thought the match was really, really good. We had Thea Hale showing her new ring in ring gear and coming out to a new entrance theme that sounds very familiar to Impact's Jody Threat. Just saying. She got a win over Danny Palmer, who I honestly believe is going to be in the NXT Women's Breakout Tournament. Even though she has been featured on... Uh, like, even though she has been featured on uh, on NXT television, I think she should be on the the breakout tournament because I know how good she is. Now, we go backstage. We see Dominic Mysterio. He says, I'm going to whoop that trick before thanking Dragon Lee for the black eye. Dominic says, I run NXT and Dragon Lee pretty much attacks um attacks Dominic, which the fatal four-way, you had Dragon Lee, Axiom, Tyler Bate, and Trick Williams. I thought these this was an excellent match. This was the best match on the entire show. With Trick Williams getting the win over all three of these guys. And at no mercy, like honestly, I would love to see him win, but I don't think it's gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna happen. And I got an idea for why when we go through our predictions. Now, we are shown a video that mentions WCW uh, Saturday Night and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, this could be a tease for Brian Pillman Jr. making his NXT debut. And I think that's where it's going to be leading. Now, the show closed with the contract signing between Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov. So, Hayes says they should just sign the contract, get this over with with Ilya get this over with. Ilya calls Hayes the wrong person at the wrong time, and Hayes throws that back at Dragunov. Hayes says he knows that he'll beat Dragunov, and he calls Hayes overconfident and tells him that he'll know Unbearable pain at no mercy. Hayes says Dragunov believes his own hype and that he didn't beat him at the Great American Bash. Dragunov says it is his destiny to win the title and Hayes says he's undeniable 
and that he that he's him. Hayes says he's better than the people Dragunov beaten. Accidentally throwing Trick Will and little did he know he threw Trick Williams under the bus. Pay attention to that because that could play a part to what's gonna happen for that NXT championship. Now Trick Will now Hayes says he'll push Dragunov to his limits. Dragunov signs the contract and he says he's tired of destiny slipping through my fingers. Dragunov says Hayes' destinies will dynasty will fall. Long live the czar. Hayes signs the contract and calls himself the beacon of hope for kids that look like him. And they did the stare down. Commentary announced that Dragon Lee will be the special referee for Dominic and Trick. And you see Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker. They're brawling in the parking lot. And the two men continue brawling, fighting in the backstage area, through the walls, into the office of Shawn Michaels. And that's how the show went off the air. A final build, which I thought was pretty good for No Mercy, which let's go over the predictions. And it takes place at the Bakersfield... at the Mechanics Bank Arena in Bakersfield, California. And we got seven matches on the card. Starting with the pre-show match. We have Blair Davenport taking on Kalani Jordan. This match was made official when Kalani Jordan threw down a challenge against Blair Davenport at No Mercy. And I honestly feel, and this is just me, I honestly feel that um, had Dana Brooke not get released, it could have been Dana Brooke against Kalani Jordan. At no mercy. That's just my theory. But it's good to see Blair Davenport. Um, no, Blair and no, it's good to see Kalani get an opportunity on a big premium live event for NXT. But she is not beating Blair Davenport. I got Blair Davenport. I think she's winning this match. And that's all she wrote. We got the NXT tag team titles on the line, a fatal four way. The family, Tony D'Angelo and Channing Stack Lorenzo defending their titles against OTM, Lucian Price, and Bronco Nima with scripts. The Creed Brothers and Humberto Correo and Angel Garza. I am going with the family. I think they're going to retain. It's too early for OTM. They're not ready yet. I could see the Creed Brothers, they had their run, and I think they're main roster ready. But it would be interesting to see Humberto and Angel win the titles. That would be nice. But, I'm going to throw this out here. If, not not if, when the family retains. This is just my other bold prediction I'm throwing. They celebrate, but suddenly they get attacked by two mystery men in a mask. And if my hunch is correct... This will be the day to bring back the Authors of Pain with Paul Ellering. I'm just throwing it out there. If this happens, I am going to lose my fucking shit. And I'm being real when I say this. I will lose my fucking sanity if I if I see AOP and Paul Ellering. Because there were reports that they are they were backstage in NXT. And they did come back. So... It would make a little bit of sense. So, I'm going with the family. I think they're going to retain. 
We have Braun Breaker taking on Baron Corbin one-on-one. -on -one. This is an easy win for Braun Breaker. This is just to establish him as a heel, which I think he's doing a really good job with. Now, I could say... I could say that... um. Von Wagner comes back and he gets revenge and Baron Corbin wins. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Braun wins and we establish him as the top heel in the company, in NXT. So that's what I'm going with. I'm going with Braun. He's going to win. Baron Corbin is just there to put over the younger talent. We have the NXT Heritage Cup. Pete Dunne, Butch, taking on Noam Dar. I really want Butch to win. I want Pete Dunne to win. And I'm going with that. I think Pete Dunne should win. And look, Metaphor, they are so entertaining. Like literally, they are literally an entertaining group. But I would not be surprised if uh, Norm Dar retains the uh, Heritage Cup. If there's one, one title I see changing, it's, it's this one. So I'm going to play, I'm going to say Butch retains. Uh, wins the top, the uh, NXT Heritage Cup. We have Dominic Mysterio taking on Trick Williams with Dragon Lee as the guest referee. I feel like Dragon Lee serving as a special guest, I feel like this is going to lead to um, what could happen with with um, with him. I could see Wesley coming back and not just attacking Dragon Lee. That's one thing. We haven't heard from Wesley in a while. I could also see Dom attacking Dragon Lee as well. And some a move takes him out of the equation. Trick Williams had the match one, but Dom, but Dragon Lee is out. So you get another referee. I think Dom is retaining. As much as I want Trick Williams to win, I like here's the thing. What really bugs me, it should have been Ali. And from what I heard, per The Observer, apparently Mustafa Ali's release was a last-minute late decision. And I asked why. That's all I'm asking. I'm just asking why. Why? Just, it could have been Ali and, and Ali, and you could have told a story with Ali and Dragon Lee. So... That ain't going to happen, and it sucks. But I think Dom's retaining. Like, I feel like they're going to hold off on the title change after War Games. I think that's the direction that they're going to be going with. But I, I just can't see Dom dropping the title just yet. But I do see some change that's going to happen with Trick Williams, which we'll get into in a second. We have Tiffany Stratton. Taking on Becky Lynch in an Extreme Rules match for the NXT Women's Championship. Tiffany Stratton is undeniably incredible. She has come a long way. And I mean that wholeheartedly. She has literally come a long way with how she like how she constantly gets better and better and better. Because, like, she's just somebody I can see being a top name in this company. Becky Lynch, 
like she's not dropping the title to Tiffany Stratton. As much as I think she should win the title back, I don't think she's not. I think this is going to be a Becky Lynch win, and this leads to Tegan Knox against against Becky Lynch on Monday Night Raw. Now, if I were to throw something out there, what if Jay Cargill shows up and attacks Becky Lynch after the match? That would get a lot of eyes on N- not only NXT, but it would also have Jade challenge for that title. That would be nice. But we're going to keep guessing. But Becky Lynch, she's my pick. She ain't dropping the title. And in the main event, you got Carmelo Hayes defending the NXT Championship against Ilya Dragunov. This is going to be an excellent match. With Carmelo Hayes retaining the title. And after the match, he's celebrating with Trick. When Trick turns heel on Carmelo. I could see that. He did not come close to beat... Like, he came close to beat Dom, but he failed. And he takes that frustration out on Carmelo. And remember, Carmelo threw Trick under the bus when he mentioned Elia has beaten everybody that stepped in his way, including Trick Williams. So keep that in mind. But Carmelo, he retains, and I think Trick Williams leaves him laying. And we see a heel Trick Williams. I think that's the direction we're going with. And that's my predictions for um, for NXT, No Mercy, which, again, I will be... I will be live on Twitch reacting and giving my thoughts on the match. So tune in to my Twitch channel, twitch.tv, Shino Phoenix, and we'll discuss it, okay? SmackDown took place at the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California. And I thought this was a pretty good episode of uh, SmackDown, which was highlighted by that excellent... United States Championship match between Santos and Rey Mysterio. I thought that was a really great part of the show. And is John Cena going to face Jimmy and Solo alone? Well, let's talk about it. So the bloodline, Jimmy, Solo, and Paul Heyman, they kick off the show. And Heyman introduces himself. And there was a funny moment where... There was a funny moment where... He said, my name is not Boo, and I just I just laughed. I thought that was pretty funny. And he said, he says, my name is Paul Heyman, which the crowd does, Paul Heyman. Before saying he, Sokoa, and Jimmy acknowledged Roman Reigns, along with everyone else. He says their acknowledgement comes in the light of the attack Sokoa and Jimmy launched on John Cena. Then they showed the recap of the of said attack. Heyman then says Cena is having issues. Like the story is that he's having issues getting into uh, getting to the Golden One Center, but until he gets there, you can't see him. He says AJ Styles isn't at SmackDown tonight due to what happened last week, but Jimmy cuts him off and grabs the mic right out of his hands, like like literally trying to pull the Roman Reigns like he's like give me the microphone and he just snatches it out of Paul Heyman's hands now <clears throat> Jimmy cuts him off he says the bloodline is now in your city 
and says Cena isn't there because he's actually scared. Yeah, right. He says if Cena doesn't stay away from the bloodline, he'll end up in the same condition as Styles. When all of a sudden, Carl Anderson appeared out of nowhere. He blindsides Jimmy and Sokoa. He clotheslines Jimmy out of the ring where Sokoa and Heyman have ended up. And he challenges either Sokoa or Jimmy to a one-on-one match. Now that has become the OC business. And it looks like what they're trying to do is they're trying to have Carl Anderson have some backbone instead of being this goofy self with Gallows and Mia Yim. Because that's what AJ wanted. He wants to see a serious side on them. And now that it's OC business, Sokoa tells Jimmy that you have to take care of this or... And he warns him, get the job done. So we get the match, and it was just okay, I guess. The opening segment was fine. Like, it did what it had to do to put some heat on the bloodline, which, let let me talk about Jimmy Uso's theme for a second. Like, I actually prefer this theme over Jay Uso's theme because it's kind of catchy. It gives that tribal Roman Reigns vibe a little bit, but it's catchy. But um, but Jimmy Uso and Carl Anderson, the match was meh, really didn't get into it. But Jimmy Uso got the win over Carl Anderson. Just I don't know what they're doing with Carl. I, I don't know what they're doing with Carl Anderson, and it, it's a sin that they're not doing anything with with Carl. But anyway, after the match, Anderson looks to attack Jimmy, but Sakoa hops in the ring and delivers a Samoan spike. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's good for you, Carl. And if you're wondering where Luke Gallows is, Gallows is out with an injury. So Mee-Chan runs out to check on Anderson. Jimmy is running his mouth. Like, they're right on the ramp, and Mee-Chan just slapped the fucking taste out of Jimmy's mouth. Like, that was a beautiful slap. And Paul Heyman just looked shocked. And... This, like, and Jimmy gets embarrassed. He's walking backstage, just looking at, like, people who are working behind the scenes and just taking his frustration out on them. But that's not the only time. Because later during the show, we go backstage and we see Jimmy attacking Ashanti the Adonis. And B-Fab is watching. So, Sakoa sends Adonis through the table with a spinning solo, the spinning Uranagi. And Jimmy points out that he will not be John Cena's tag partner at Fastlane. So pretty much what they're trying to do is take out anybody who John Cena might go for as his tag partner. But, I, 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 I mean, it's fine. And I, I, poor Ashanti the Adonis. Poor Ashanti the Adonis and B-Fab. Like, Top Dollar gets let go. And it looks like they're just treading water right now. Like, and, and that's sad to say. But, um, I mean, the gym, like I said, Mee-Chan slapping Jimmy Uso was good. The match itself was just meh. We had the Grayson Waller effect. Now, Grayson Waller, he hosts the show, and he says, I'm here to save SmackDown, seeing that John Cena is late, so he brings out Bobby Lashley. So Lashley comes out, and Waller addresses the Street Profits lost last week. And Lashley says, while he thought Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins had what it takes, it's time to go back to the drawing board. And Waller suggests, what about me and Theory as a tag team that he's been looking for? Which, 
Lashley says, no, I pass on that. And he's trying to talk him into it, but the Street Profits come out. They make their way down the ring. They're dressed in fancy suits. And Dawkins is trying to explain what happened, but Lashley cuts him off and says, I don't want to hear any excuses. And if you want something out of me, you're going to have to prove it. So the Prophets question what he means, but Lashley doesn't respond. And he heads to the back. And he says, okay, since that happened, let me bring out Austin Theory. And Austin Theory, he's coming out. He has to prep for his match against Cameron Grimes. Somebody we have not seen on television for God knows how long. But that match was next. They showed, um, like, the Grayson Wallace stuff. I mean, it, like, the Prove Yourself with Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits is going to play a part to what happens later during the show. The Grayson Waller effect stuff, it was just, meh. We had Austin Theory and Cameron Grimes. Dragon Lee was in the crowd. If this Dragon Lee, he's been on Raw, had an excellent match against Dominic Mysterio. He's been on NXT, and now he's on SmackDown. If that does not tell, and I literally tweeted this out. I literally said, I, I don't know if I'm not the only one, but I feel like they're gonna have they're gonna have him get called up pretty soon. Like, th- and I, I'm just just guessing they're probably going to call him up. I just have this feeling because you could tell they are impressed by um by Dragon Lee's performance against Dominic. It just feels natural that he's gonna get that call up pretty soon. Now, Austin Theory, before the match, he's talking shit to Dragon Lee because of the vignette that he got. And Cameron Grimes, he's got some, he had some pretty good offense, but it, Grayson Waller, distraction. Austin Theory takes advantage, sends him to the uh, ring post, hits the rolling drop kick, and then hits the A-Town down, which Cameron Grimes sold be- beautifully for, to get the win. Now, after the match, Theory is getting in Lee's face. He shoves him, Lee shoves him back, and then next week we get Dragon Lee against Austin Theory. So clearly they're high on Dragon Lee. If that does not tell you, him appearing on Raw, NXT, and SmackDown all in one week, and then he's going to be at no mercy, WWE sees some big things in, in uh, Dragon Lee. But um, I'm going to talk about Cameron Grimes for a second. How do you drop the ball with Cameron Grimes? Like, how do you do this? Like, and I'm asking WWE. The guy is incredibly talented. And you're just not doing anything with the guy. Like, he's just there to be there. And it's sad because Cameron Grimes is fucking great. Go back to his feud with LA Knight. One of the best things I liked about his his run in NXT. That feud with LA Knight. And you had something with him and Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin went to NXT. They they put him there to put for him to put over some younger talents. But Cameron Grimes, like, I feel like the guy is lost in the shuffle. And and it's just sad to see this. It really is. We had um 
the United States Championship on the line, Rey Mysterio against Santos Escobar. This was way, way better than the match they had in New Orleans in the finals to see who faces um who faces Austin Theory for the US title at the time. Like I cannot tell you that this like I literally could watch this match over and over again because these two they had excellent chemistry. Like, I thought they did a really, really great job stepping it up. And so many near falls, so many crazy moments. Just, they had like three commercial breaks. You could tell that this match was like a pay-per-view caliber match. But, like I said, this was amazing. And I would recommend that you guys watch this match. Rey Mysterio, he retained the United States title in an excellent match against uh, Santos Escobar. Now, Escobar, he looked disappointed. Like, And before I even get to this, Rey Mysterio, before the match, actually hugged Dragon Lee, who was, like I said, in the crowd. And Dragon Lee could actually play a part into Santos turning heel. Now that I think about it, because Rey sees him as the the next guy to be one of the best luchadors out there. And that could rub Santos the wrong way. Now, before, like after the match, before they show, before they try to show respect, Street Profits, the Street Profits come out, they laid out Santos, they laid out Ray. Bobby Lashley comes in and he's a proud, he's a proud guy. And Joaquin, I don't know if it was Joaquin Wilder Cruz Del Toro, but... One of them, they try to run after. Um, they try to run after Bobby, but Bobby just back elbows them. Didn't even turn around. He just back elbow him. Like for, I thought that was great. Now, now Dragon Lee looks to get involved, but security's holding him back. And again, that could play a part. That could play a part to what could happen. Now. And like I said, this this whole segment leads a lot of things. Dragon Lee, the excellent match, Street Profits turning heel and finding that killer instinct that's been missing in them because they need a character change. They cannot come out next week with the same theme, those red solo cups. They have to come out with a new theme, new attitude, and just something different. No more bring the swags, all right? No more red solos. And, and like I said, Dragon Lee, like, pay attention to Bobby Lashley looking at Dragon Lee. That's another person that I could see. But all of this has so many layers. This this entire stuff right here has so many fucking layers. And I love it. Now, we go to LWO being checked out in the medical office. And Caleb Braxton is entering for a word. And Ray pretty much challenged the Profits to a tag team match with LWO. Now, like I said, next week, they have to have a different music. Hopefully, they got a new theme music ready for the Street Profits. But, um, this was good. Now, what was better was Pretty Deadly. I want to briefly mention this because I, I fucking love Pretty Deadly because... <laughs> these vignettes they did with Elton Prince recovering 
from the fucking injury he had. It was probably a dislocated or separated shoulder. It was a separated shoulder. My memory had to come back. And you got, I, I can't even put it in words. It's so fucking entertaining to see Pretty Deadly again. And they're literally becoming one of my favorite acts on SmackDown. L- like, literally. Becoming one of my favorite acts. And they... Like, it, it's so good. Like, it's literally... Them training Elton Prince to use his arm again. Gets out of the wheelchair. And they're fucking jumping in the freeze frame. And then it goes... Hashtag Elton Strong. And when you think about it, didn't AEW had Roderick Strong with the neck brace and it had hashtag neck strong? Or Roddy... Sh- yeah, yeah, they had the neck strong. Woo, WWE, you, you sly devil you. You sly devil you. But I like it. I thought this was great. Now, we had Charlotte Flair... Versus Bailey. Now, before the match began, Flair grabs a mic and she's asking Bailey, What happened to you? You used to be one of the four horsewomen, and now you're a stepping stone while you while I'm the measuring stick. And of course, she cashes in the Omni Flair Charlotte in the Bank contract to challenge EO Sky at Fastlane once she beats Bailey. Bailey, which she did. Match was okay. But um Charlotte got the win with a spear out of nowhere. She's literally Roman Reigns right there. Now after the match, Bailey ha- gets handed the mic by Dakota Kai and Bailey said it best. You can't just cut the line. She said, I promise to end Charlotte Flair tonight, and she intends to do so. So damage control, they surround the ring when Asuka made the save. Now, Asuka, she's yelling in Japanese and Bailey not doing a good job translating what Asuka is saying. Pretty much spoke on EO's behalf saying that EO will defend her title against both Charlotte and Asuka in a triple threat match. And just the funniest moment was EO telling Bailey that's not what she said. And that's official. We got EO defending her title against Charlotte and Asuka. I, I don't see Charlotte or Asuka walking out. I think EO is winning again. Like, I feel like they're going to do a figure eight spot. Charlotte get They both hit the moon. No, EO hits the moonsault. Pins Asuka for the second time. And she retains the title. Now... Again, I want to mention this real quickly because I did this on the last episode and I'm going to do it again. Bianca, she's taking some time off. You got plenty of women that you could build towards to challenge EO. Like, like correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Shotzi, isn't Shotzi doing something with Bailey? Isn't Shotzi doing something feuding with Bailey? But she could also line up for a title match. And you got Mia Yim, who's not doing jack shit. She could challenge EO for that title. What about Alba Fire and Isla Dawn? Where the... F- like, we talked about them last week. 
Like, they come back and they're doing the story that the women's tag titles are cursed. And this week, we haven't seen shit with them. Like, you know where I'm, where I'm going with this? Like, I get... It's like Charlotte... It's like they're depending on Charlotte because... They just don't have her... Doing anything right now. If she's not in the title picture, then... That's an issue. They need to put her in the title picture because WWE hasn't done a good job building up anybody else. Not named Charlotte or Asuka. To challenge Io for the title. Like, that's just my biggest gripe. Now, and I like these... I like I like Charlotte. I like Asuka. But there are so many women out there that you can push. So many women out there who should be given an opportunity. So many women who are not even given the chance to showcase what they can do in front of the main roster crowd. Like, you could have... You got a story with Shotzi going after EO because EO and Bailey cut Shotzi's hair. They cut parts of her hair. It writes itself. But, um... If there's one woman I want to see who has a history with Bailey that would make the most sense... To challenge EO as well. It's Kyrie. And speaking of the women. Michael Cole did mention. On commentary about the signing of Jay Cargill. Now you know it's a big deal. When they mention Jay Cargill. And I'm telling you right now. She's going to be a major. Major player in WWE. Mark my words. And they even literally. They literally said a storm is coming. So in the women's division. Which, right there, should tell you that they think highly of Jay Cargill. But, um, yeah, we got a triple threat match for uh, Fastlane for the women's... T- I'm about to say women's tag titles, but those titles are fucking cursed. The WWE Women's Championship. There. But it should be a great match. It should be a great match. We go to John Cena. He closes out the show. He's in the ring. He says, I came back to compete and I wanted a match. He says, while the bloodline left him knocked out, they also left him with a contract for their fast lane two-on-one handicap match. Now he says he doesn't have a partner and now he faces the choice. Rip up the contract or fight. He promises to honor the contract even if he doesn't have a partner. Which brings out Jimmy Uso. Along with Solo Sokoa and Paul Heyman. Jimmy, he's running his mouth about what he did, what he and Sokoa did to Ashanti the Adonis. Then says he won't make it to Fastlane as he hopes. No, he hops up on the apron with Sokoa. Cena clocks him and... He looks to plant Solo Sokoa with an attitude adjustment, but Jimmy Uso comes in with the save with the super kick, and he helps Solo Sokoa. They take turns landing hip attacks. They clear the announce desk, and before Sokoa ascends to the top rope, L.A. Knight got a big reaction in Sacramento. He runs down. And helps John Cena, stomps on Jimmy, hits a beautiful neck breaker on Solo Sokoa, and plants Jimmy with an elbow drop 
on him. And he John Cena dumps Sokoa out of the ring. And Knight does the same to Jimmy Uso. So you got LA Knight and John Cena. They're left standing in the ring. When LA Knight grabs the contract, signs it, and Cena overacts on like just LA Knight being his tag partner. And now it's a tag team match. Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa against LA Knight and John Cena. So it's a big deal for for um LA Knight. The guy is getting the ultra rub. Like and I, I like this for many reasons. Because LA Knight is over. He is a big, big star. And WWE would be so fucking foolish to not get the rocket strap on this guy. Now, he has main event written all over him. Like, main event talent written all over him. And it looks like after Fastlane, they're probably going to build up LA Knight against Roman Reigns for that Saudi show. But we all know LA Knight ain't beating Roman. That would even make Roman the biggest heel right there. But to make up for that, they're going to give LA Knight the United States title, which I think is the right direction. But um, getting the biggest rub, teaming with John Cena, that's a big deal. That is a big, big deal. Because the company sees great things in LA Knight. Even Cena could see something great in LA Knight. But, um... And I like this. I'm I'm really glad that they're um making him the tag partner for John Cena. And other than that, SmackDown was a really good episode. So Dynamite was good, Raw was good, NXT was good, SmackDown was good. Good wrestling this week. Which I like. But I am getting the heck out of here, guys. Thank y'all so much for this episode. I really appreciate it. Um, you guys know where you can find me on my socials, Twitter, Shino D Phoenix, kick and Twitch, Shino Phoenix, which I will be live on Twitch for NXT No Mercy's watch party. Uh, this is the very first watch party that I'm doing and I'm super nervous, but I think it's going to turn out pretty well. Um, TikTok, Shino D Phoenix, Instagram, cool man, Sif, that's CYP by the way, um, like the Facebook page and Subscribe to my YouTube channel if you haven't. So until then, take care. Be safe, guys. Support wrestling as much as you can. And this Phoenix flies off. I'll talk to y'all later. Have a great day. Peace out.